time for the Hobby Shop Stories, a Guys with the Roundtable Network podcast. Step inside our world as we discuss our many pastimes. And now, your host, Andy Meese. Welcome to the Hobby Shop, the place where we talk about and explore our favorite pastimes. I am your host, Andy Meese, and throughout this podcast, I will be joined by many guests, and we will explore, like I said, our favorite hobbies and pastimes. And in today's episode, the first episode, I am joined by an old friend, Nick, as we uh, dive into sports card collecting. And, you know, he tells uh, some, uh, some interesting stories about, you know, how he first got into the card collecting you know, hobby and how it's evolved for him over the years. And, you know, I sort of tried to get out of him what that Holy Grail card would be for him. And, you know, he sort of beats around the uh, bush on it and doesn't really give a firm answer. But, you know, that's okay. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, different things. Um, but before we get into that, uh, if you ever want to get a hold of us, you can uh, find us at facebook.com slash GOTR podcast as we are a podcast on the Guys at the Roundtable network. Uh, and you can also email us at guys at the roundtable at gmail.com or tweet us at GOTR podcast. Um, so, yeah, like I said, on today's show, we're going to be talking with Nick and we're going to learn about the sports collecting sports card collecting hobby and you know we're going to take a you know a, dr- a trip down memory lane to you know the time when you know especially when card collecting was at its highest in the mid 90s the early 90s when you know we had tons and tons of cards there was almost an oversaturation of the market and and we talk a little bit about that too um but before we get into that i'm just going to give you a little bit of background on me and my hobbies and you know because that's the whole basis of this show and you know i've my hobbies have evolved over the years for many years my hobbies were if you would ask me what my hobbies were i would have simply said video games and music and while both of those play a role yet in my hobbies, they are, certainly do not define where my hobbies lie. Um, I'm still very much into music. And I love listening to music. I love performing. I do sing. I sing and I play um, several different instruments. So you know, I'm quite active in that. Um, but my biggest hobby right now uh, is board games. I've gotten very into board games over the probably the last four months. Uh, oh, maybe not even that. Probably since mid-December. So yeah, I guess that is closing in on four months. And during that time, I've learned a lot of new games. And I, I am excited to continue to learn new games. And the most recent new game that... Well, I purchased. I have yet to start playing it. I'm very excited to play it. Uh, it's called Charterstone. Uh, it's a it's a legacy game. 
Um, I'm look, quickly looking up some information on it. Uh, it's by Stonemeyer Games. It's a legacy game. Uh, it's one of those that, you know, it keeps evolving as you play it. And each copy is going to be 100% unique by the end of it. So I'm extremely excited to play that. Uh, I actually think I'm going to start playing it this evening. So, you know, that I, I'm very excited to play that. But uh, I'm also very much into card games. Um... The games I'm involved with now are Pokemon, uh, Dragon Ball, Super, and I also played a game that just came out probably about four or five months ago called Keyforge, and that's one of my favorites right now because the thing I like most about that, and we're, we're obviously going to dive into Keyforge in a later episode as you know we talk with more guests, um, is that every deck is unique. Uh, every deck has a name. Uh, the, the basis around Keyforge is, you know, different houses. There are, uh, I believe, seven different houses, and each deck will feature three houses. You cannot modify your deck at all. You, what you get out of the out of your box is what you have, and you know. So, and the, the funny thing is, you could have the same houses on a deck. And they act completely different because my wife and I, we each purchased a deck two weeks ago and had the same three houses on it. And both decks, while they had some similarities to it, both played extremely similar and, but also different. Sorry, that's what, <laughs> uh, that's what I meant there. Um, but it's a fun game. I also purchased a, it's a deck building game, it's in a, it's in a box, so I kind of consider it part of my board game collection, even though it's not, uh, it's called Aeon's End, uh, we just learned to play that, it's a co-op deck building game, uh, it's, it's got some Dominion traits to it, if you've ever played that, uh, and that's another game I'm going to be talking about at some point, uh, throughout the podcast, um, and, you know, my, my, my collection has been, ever growing over the last few months and you know another classic game that's in my inventory now is seven wonders i picked up a few expansions of that i also have small world um obviously you have to have ticket to ride i mean you don't have to i enjoy it it's a lot of fun i have ticket to ride And yeah, so, you know, I, I have quite a few games and I've been having a lot of fun with them. And, you know, so that's been a big time hobby for me recently. Um, you know, the other hobbies I'm into, I'm, I'm a big fan of WWE wrestling. Uh, yes, I know it's fake. Don't You don't have to tweet me and tell me that I know it's fake. Um, you know, I, it's something I do to pass some time it's something my sister's into my wife's into so we we sort of enjoy it together and we're going to take a trip to wrestlemania this year uh first time for any uh, either of us going to a wrestlemania so we're all very 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 excited for that uh so we're going to talk about that i'm sure throughout the podcast uh we're going to talk about um dragon ball z um I've gotten into that very much recently. Obviously, video games. Um, so, you know, th there is no limit to what is going to be discussed. And, you know, I gave out our 
our shows, um, well, our networks, uh, contact information. But if you ever wanted to hit up me personally, my Twitter account is at ASMeese. Uh, S as in scooter. Um, so <laughs> I, I know I just picked a weird uh, word to pick there. Um, but, you know, you can find me on there. You can, you know, hit me up with anything you got to say. Um, I'm also, a, you know, I'm a sports writer by night. So, you know, I do, I do some of that. So if you follow me on Twitter, you expect to see some of that, uh, especially local stuff, because, you know, that's what I do. Um, but yeah, we have uh, a lot for you, a lot in store for you today. So I'm not going to hold you up much longer. Uh, so we're just going to hop right into the interview now. Hope you enjoy. You are listening to the Hobby Shop Stories Podcast. For show notes and more episodes, visit gotrpodcast.com. Now, back to the show. And we're back on Hobby Shop Stories, and I'm joined now by longtime friend Nick. And it all started nearly 13 years ago over baseball with me barely in college, and you know you were still in high school. Now I'm in my 30s, and you know you've got a kid, so you know time sure flies. Um, but speaking of the kid, how is the little one? Um, she's doing good. She hit six months last Sunday, so wow. time it's already going by quick. So, but she seems to be doing good, and. She's like in the 80th percentile of everything, height, weight, and her head size. So she's got a big noggin. Wow. Yeah, it feels like just yesterday you were messaging me terrified, you know, (laughs) that (laughs) Ashley was pregnant. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I just told you, you know, you're going to figure out what to do. Your gut instinct is going to kick in and you're going to be a great dad. And, you know, from everything I'm seeing and hearing, you know, you're doing a great job. Yeah. No, you don't. Nowadays, you just don't even think about it. You just do it. You know, that's yep. that's one thing. If you have to, I have to tell everybody that's going to be a dad. That's you're terrified, but once you you just know what to do eventually. I guess is the best way to put it. Exactly, the instinct kicks in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, you know, it, even having a little one, it does. It never really takes away from your hobbies. You still have them, and there is one in particular that you know I knew you were involved with, but you sort of brought up to me a couple months ago when you were talking about box breaks and you know i had questions about that and you know it's it's you know sports card collecting you know what got you interested in collecting sports cards well i started it when i was younger i mean i have rubbermaid containers full at my house my parents house that i still haven't gone through which i really need to go through because some of the cards that i had that i know i have are is worth are they are worth a shit ton it's just a matter of finding them and making sure they're in good condition and i remember i don't know when i was like 10 or 11 i brought in top loaders and sleeves um like a ken griffey jr rookie randy johnson rookie put them all in my pocket to go to school and just to kind of show off to everybody I don't know why. I mean, because I was probably the only person that really knew who Randy Johnson and Ken Griffey were and actually cared. So, anyways, I brought, I don't know, probably like 10 top rookies, like guys of those quality to school. And uh, I came home, I don't know, threw my pants on the floor probably, and my mom washed it. All those cards got ruined in the laundry. Oh, no. Yeah. And, oh, that's the worst. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, the, and the Ken Griffey Jr. 
rookie that I know that got washed in laundry right now is probably worth maybe like seventy-five to hundred dollars. But I mean, that's seventy-five to hundred dollars that I could use towards other things right now. So it it hurts looking back on my stupidity. <laughs> yeah, that that's one of those things. Is you know. Back then when it's it's different when you're a kid and you have some of these hobbies and especially with ones like that. And I see it now with, you know, some my nephews with some of the things they collect and seeing how they treat them like, what are you doing? But at the same time, like you were saying, when you were a kid, you know, you sort of like you said, you took your pants off, you threw them on the floor and they went through the wash. You know that those sorts of things happened. And, you know, it, it's it's amazing to think about, you know, that you know something like that can just go through the wash yep yep and that's that's why uh a lot of those cards are as valuable as they are is because of instances like mine where <laughs> just just ruin one of the many cards and even those cards are as valuable as they are even though they consider the late 80s and early 90s the junk era which means it was just yeah, mass I mean, produced that, where I, yeah i definitely see there's... what you're saying by the junk era because you know and i had this conversation with um when I worked down at the newspaper, I had a conversation mm-hmm. with a coworker who was really big into card collecting, and he we talked about the oversaturation of the market, especially in the late 80s, early 90s, because that's when the hobby and the you know the card collecting was at an all-time high. You know, I used to, you know, save up my money. I'd save up, you know, if I get a dollar for doing a little chore, I'd save it up. I'd have $10. I'd go down to the local card shop and buy two, three packs of cards and, you know, be ecstatic for that. And, you know, and there was, like you said, there was that oversaturation of cards, but there were still some, you know, interesting things back there, which kind of leads me into the next question, you know, how has the hobby changed for you and evolved over the years? Because, you know, obviously, like you said, back then you had those couple of rookie cards that you'd take them into school and you'd show them off and people would be like, well, you know, who really cares? But, you know, nowadays the value in, you know, a regular rookie card, a, you know, a base card, so to speak, isn't as much there. And it's more in the autographs and the memorabilia, you know, so obviously that's how the hobby has changed in general over the years, but how has it, you know, changed for you personally over the years? I really haven't, didn't really start collecting again until about six months ago. So from probably like 2003 to 2018, I was kind of just doing my own thing. And I mean, memorabilia, I got a bunch of sports memorabilia, that I've collected over the years. So that was more of my main focus, but I got back into the cards. Um, mostly just like everybody else to collect their, you know, their favorite guys and try to turn a profit on some of the things. A lot of what I do is just collect guys that I, that I want and then try to collect guys that I can get on a good deal and resell it. But I feel like nowadays there are so many variations. Panini runs the majority of the uh, card business and they have new um, hobby boxes coming out almost weekly. So that's to me, that's saturating the market. And I feel like within 10 years, the it's going to be another junk era where there's so many one-of-ones, one-of-15s. But the autographs and memorabilia patches are cool. But I think a lot of people don't understand either is when you get those memorabilia patches, they're not, they say that they're player-worn, but all they're doing is Panini or whoever is throwing 20 jerseys on a guy, and he's touching them for maybe a second, <laughs> and then they consider them player-worn. 
Yeah, so, absolutely. And like you said, you know, the, the hobbies changed and evolved over the years. And for you personally, it changed from, you know, you were excited with those rookie cards yeah. and, you know, and, and now it's more, okay, you're trying to collect some players you like, of course, you know, and that's always the basis of, you know, this hobby. That's why I started doing it years ago. I try to get, you know, my favorite Steelers. I try to get my favorite Pirates and, you know, the other guys from different teams throughout the league. And, you know, and now for you, you're turning it into not only trying to get your favorite players, but, you know, okay, you know, I'm going to pick up this guy because he's pretty cheap now. And I think I can turn him for a little bit of money later. So in, in some cases, this is still a hobby for you. But in other cases, you're, you know, you're trying to make a couple bucks off of it, correct? Yeah, it's like the stock market where you're investing <laughs> almost and you're hoping that it pans out. My buddy... Um, he he was buying hobby boxes left and right back in like September October, and uh, eventually he talked me into buying one. And you know I wouldn't say I'm frugal, but I try to be very careful with my money. If I go to the casino, I know I'm going to lose that money, so I'm not too worried. But just spending a hundred dollars on a hobby box, and I have the, actually one of the hobby boxes that I bought in front of me. The hobby box that I bought back in September only has fourteen cards in the hobby box, and it's two packs per box. So, anyways. He bought, there was three of these boxes left. They were XR boxes from Panini, which they each box contains two autographs and one memorabilia card. So he bought the first two boxes and actually hit pretty well. So I'm thinking this third box is going to be junk because he was kind of, the first box that he bought was he kind of, he would have broke even or he did break even almost after reselling everything. And then the second box he made money off of. So I'm thinking, okay, he, almost broke even made money on the second one the third one's got to be absolute junk so i kind of hesitant on doing it and he said if i didn't do it he was going to buy the box so anyways i bought the box for 108 dollars obviously after taxes good old new york state so i bought the box and wasn't really going that well the first pack i opened was a kirk banker autograph which i don't know if anybody even knows who he is i think he's just a, a training camp fodder so anyways, I, I get to the second box, and I, I flip flip the big hit over, because you can tell what the big hit is, because the card's a little thicker. So I flip it over, and I see I see Sam Darnold, and I'm like, oh, are you freaking kidding me? So I flip it over, see Sam Darnold, it's, a, it's, a, it's an autograph, it's a patch, it's, you can kind of see the Jets patch a little bit, and it's only, it's a two out of three, which means that there's only three of those cards made. Wow. So I, at that point in time, I mean, I felt like I hit the lottery. <laughs> so I was very excited and I I ended up keeping it for a little bit. I did sell it on eBay for 220, I think. So I doubled okay. my money right there and I used that money to kind of reinvest in smaller guys and I tried to keep the money that I made off breaks and off that card to reinvest in so I wasn't using any of my personal money other than that initial 100, but the last couple months I've kind of tap back into my personal money which i'm trying to avoid but i'm gonna have to start reselling some cards off just to kind of keep myself afloat i guess yeah so you know that was sort of one your reintroduction back into the hobby of sorts correct yeah that's what got, kind of got me hooked again i was hooked prior because my buddy this kid i know that he was running a he runs a break and it was for cards and memorabilia or cards and a mini helmet 
So he he messaged me back in September, said, "Hey, we're doing a break. You want to get in?" And um, he explained to me the concepts. So I bought the Giants, Patriots, and 49ers. I bought the 49ers for my buddy because it was his birthday. I think it was like five or six dollars per team. It was two. Now that I look back, I think it was two lower end hobby boxes that I didn't realize at that time. And um, and a mini helmet, which the mini helmet you don't know what you're getting. He didn't know what you're getting, so it's completely random. It's not rigged. So he goes through the the hobby boxes, and nothing special comes out, and gets to the mini helmet, opens that lid, and I see 49ers. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You know, I it was my one of my best buddies, so I'm glad that he won. But it was it was kind of irritating because it's like okay I could have flipped that money at the time and really made really made out. So anyways, you see the 49ers logo and right down in there, I was happy of course, happy but it was more of a like WTF yeah. moment and it ended up being a Joe Montana autographed mini helmet. Yeah, that's one of those things where, you know, when one of those things happen, you're just like, wow, you know, that's really cool for them. But you're like, man, I wish I had done that. And that brings me to the first break that I got involved with you. And I kept trying to debate what team I wanted to take first. And this was before you really explained to me, you know, the value in rookies and this and that. And I think I chose the Rams. And, you know, I, I forget why I said I picked them out. I'm like, you know, I kind of like Todd Gurley and a couple of the other guys. So I went with the Rams. And I debated between them and the Bengals. Um, and I knew the Bengals because it was, um, I think it was last year's box. So, you know, Joe Mixon would have been a rookie at the time. And I kept thinking to myself, well, maybe I'll pick them because of Joe Mixon. You know, you never know. And um, so I, I decided against them and went to to the Rams. And then you go and <laughs> you you flip through the packs and you get a one of one Joe Mixon card. And when that flipped, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like it was it was like you're feeling that like man, you know, like what could have been and stuff. And, you know, so, you know, it's pretty cool. But um, for those that might not know on, you know, listening to this podcast, um, you know, can you explain what a break is and, you know, how that process works? Yeah, for example, I buy a box and um, what this is the process that I've used and I've seen, I would say, 70% of other breakers use is you buy a box and you sell off 16 teams for a set price and then the other 16 teams are random amongst you know the people that bought the 16 teams so for example you you I bought the Giants and um I got the random team which was left just say it was the Dolphins so anything that came out of that box that was Giants and Dolphins was automatically mine regardless of any circumstance or anything and um yeah, that's that's pretty much the basics of it. There's there's other ways to do it. I've seen I could I mean I could talk for an hour of all the other ways I've seen it, but that's the most common way that I've seen. Yeah, it's just sort of a, you know, a basic explanation and you know, when you explained it to me, you know, when you told me about it at first, I was like, "Okay, I don't get it." And then you explained it to me more, and I'm like, "Okay, that sounds pretty cool." And, you know, I was because okay, I'll, I'll explain this in this way. You know, when you explain, you know, that Panini XR box you open where it's like 15 cards in it or whatever, you know, I wasn't expecting necessarily that because anytime 
I'm opening a box of cards. You know, I'm thinking from, you know, the other things I do, the other hobbies I'm involved in, and I'm not going to have any shame in saying this, you know, because eventually the people on the podcast are going to know and find out, you know, I'm into Pokemon collecting. Yes, I'm into Pokemon collecting. I don't really care. You know, I also, you know, play like the Dragon Ball Super card games. And, you know, I played those card games over the year years and when you get a box of those you're looking at 30 some packs you're looking at 10 cards to a pack so I'm thinking okay you're looking at like 300 some cards in there yeah you might only get a couple hits but you know you're gonna bring back some cards and you know you sort of brought me back into the hobby that that I had as a younger child you know when you talked about those and I got really excited about them and I got in a couple breaks there and the wife was like yeah you gotta rein it back in a little bit you know we, we're not made of you know money so like you know like I said to you I'm waiting for you to do more because I've you know saved up a little bit of money to be able to do some but you know I'm thinking okay you know we're I'm going to, you know, start a decent collection here with a couple of these. And, you know, then when you ran that one, I was like, that's it. That's all that's in there. I was like, oh, I just thought you hit the hit the break the um, hit the hits pretty quickly in there. But, you know, I guess that's, you know, where I'm newer in this, that the some of these newer high end sets that come out, you know, you're you're not getting as much quantity in it, but you're getting the higher quality. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, I mean, you're talking about 14 cards being disappointed. Panini actually just came out with a, a box called Panini One, where there is only one oh card in that goodness. box. <laughs> and people but have pulled. I'm guessing everything's pretty good. Like, no. Know, it, it, no. N- no. I've seen. Oh. Um, the box, they sold it on their website for 100 and um, it sold out within a minute. Wow. So the resale, the resale market was anywhere between 160 to 190. So you're. After the Panini's guys bought all their stuff, they're reselling it for 160, 190. So people were buying it and then pulling, you know, DJ Moore, which nothing wrong with DJ Moore, DJ Chark, nope. and those cards are maybe worth 20, 30 bucks. So you you just gambled right there and you lost, you know, even so, more so than you would have lost if you had bought the hundred dollars. You're you're spending almost double that. So what type of product is in this one box? It's just it's just a Panini one. It's a it's it's got a Panini one logo on it. It's Panini, of course. Like no autograph. It's, it's, it, it's got oh yeah, is you know it's 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 strictly autographs. Okay. But um, obviously you just get one card, so it, it's literally like a, a roulette table. You're gambling. I mean, it's it's all gamble. Oh yeah, but I'm sure that's one of those where if you hit one of the big guys, oh yeah, you're 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 set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you pull in Baker Mayfield or Saquon Barkley, um, you're at least <laughs> doubling your money, at least. Absolutely. So you know, obviously, we've been talking a lot about football here. Do you and do do you collect any other cards? Are you involved like with any other sort of collecting with any other sports? Um, I was actually. Really big into Prism Basketball, which okay. is another Panini product because I was trying to get Luka Doncic, which his rookie cards, his base rookie cards were going for 18 to $20 off that set. Wow. And then um, I think they probably still are, but that was pretty much about a month or two ago. And uh, his rookie silver card, which is a variation of the Prism Silver, or which is a variation of the Prism base rookie card, it's just silver it just has a little bit different tint to it that's going for three hundred dollars and wow, that's insane yeah oh yeah yeah so if you hit that that's that's like hitting the lottery so i mean i i probably bought 
I don't know, like I don't even want to say this, probably like two to two fifty, two hundred two to two hundred to two hundred fifty dollars worth of prism basketball just to try to hit a Luka Doncic, you know, silver or even a base rookie card just to make back my money on the the um, retail boxes I was buying because I was buying retail boxes. I wasn't buying hobby boxes. Yeah. And out of all that, I hit one um, insert of a Luka Doncic, which isn't, which is lower than a base rookie. So that that insert's probably worth like seven or eight bucks. So I'm just gonna hold on to it because it's not worth selling. Oh, absolutely. And it, it's one of those things that's just cool to add to your collection. Um, but, you know, I, it's funny you talk about retail boxes and stuff because, you know, before you really explained some of that to me, you know, I found myself right after, you know, you got me back into it, walking down like, you know, just walking down the aisle at Walmart with all their cards in there thinking, oh, you know, I might pick up one of these, you know, oh, this comes with two hits and and then I'm looking at it more and you explain it to me. I'm like, man, those are just relics. You know, you're not even guaranteed an autograph. Why am I paying, you know, 40 bucks for two relic cards when I could pay double that and at least get, you know, you know, an autograph or two autographs and twice as many cards. And, you know, so it was one of those things where, you know, it, it's it's an amazing difference between, you know, retail boxes and hobby boxes. Yeah, the retail is for more the lower end collector, which is just doing it, you know, going to the yeah. store, which which I enjoy doing because to me it's more of a game. I mean, I'm a huge gambler. I've always been. So it's more of a gambler for me. Like it's a one in 50 out of hitting something big versus going to a hobby box and maybe a one in 10 out of hitting something big. So I like the bigger odds because you're spending less, but you have a, you if you hit something, you're going to make more of a profit margin than you would if you bought a hobby box. But overall, I'd say I've, dumped probably like I'm looking at all the boxes that I have setting up here <laughs> I don't know probably not counting hobby because most of those I did a I broke them I did a breaks I ran breaks myself yeah. probably like $500 since September but but again with that Darnold that kind of offset things and then I was doing eBay Absolutely. I was I was going crazy on eBay reselling stuff for a while so I was making my money back which it was allowing me to do what I was doing so it doesn't sound as absurd as me just saying I spent $500 on cards the last 6 months <laughs> Yeah so so do you recommend retail boxes at all? Like you said, you it's either a hit or a miss in those, especially for, you know, like a new collector. Like if someone's listening to this that, you know, has a very small sports card collection is looking to, you know, start expanding it. What would you recommend for them? Definitely retail. I The, the sports card market is definitely geared towards making money, you know, as, as bad as that sounds. I think I'm one of the few guys that, you know, collect the guys that I want to collect, you know, yeah. Giants players and uh, Shaquem Griffin and Sam Darnold, guys that I want to collect and then just resell guys that I don't want to collect. But I would say 95% of the cards that I have on my table or in a box, they're, they're worthless. So... And most of those come from retail, but also at the same time, you can still get those those worthless cards out of hobby box, but you're not spending as much money. So if you're just trying to get into the hobby, I would definitely go retail or try to get into a break and get your favorite team. But the risk of getting into a break, which is another, which I was saying earlier, if you 
bought a one picked one random, that's fine because the prices are set evenly for everybody else. But if you're a, a Browns or Giants fan, if you're trying to get into a, a break and they're doing pricing each individual team, the Browns and Giants are going to be significantly higher than other teams, just like an NBA, the Mavs and um, Knicks, Hawks, Kings are significantly higher than if you had a if you had a team that didn't have a popular rookie. The card market is strictly geared towards rookies, so that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, and that was something that I didn't quite understand when you told me about that before because, you know, I would figure, you know, if I'm looking at an NBA one, I'm thinking everyone wants to get, you know, the the Warriors because, you know, they got the players, you know. But when you were explaining that to me, I said, you know what, I guess that does make sense because when I was younger, you know, I wanted that Barry Bonds rookie card, that Barry Bonds rookie card in a Pirates uniform. That was you know, I still have a couple of them. Granted, they were all from, you know, the the, the quote-unquote trash sets, the, the overproduced ones. But they're still worth, you know, four, five, six dollars, even though they were from those overproduced, overprinted sets, just because it's a Barry Bonds rookie card. Every other card in that set is probably worth maybe a penny, if you're lucky, you know. But, you know, so I guess I understand that because, you know, when when I would take my cards into school and, you know, trade with friends, it'd be like, well, I got the Sammy Sosa rookie. You want to trade me a Mark McGuire rookie, you know, or, you know, something like that, you know? So I kind of get that now, but at first I was like extremely puzzled to it. But, you know, when you're talking about those NBA teams going, you know, give me the Spurs, you know, I'll take a good Lonnie Walker rookie card. You know, he, he's, he's from this area. He grew up in Reading. You know, I got to watch him play a couple times in high school. So, you know, give me the Spurs. You know, I'll gladly take them. Yeah, and I mean, that's a good investment in itself, too, because Lonnie Walker, because he got hurt, is cheap to buy. Yep. And if he comes back and does well, you're – obviously, I'm talking money side. You're going to make your money back and then some. I'm just trying to give them money input. And I do want to add, if anybody that's listening – once it wants to get back into the hobby and has a favorite team just let me or andy know and i will send you a, a care package of all the extra cards that i do have like if you're a, a cardinals fan i'll send you all the cardinals f cards that i got just to just so they're not collecting dust on my end and that way it's going to a good home i mean if if as all of you pay if all you pay for is shipping that's all i ask for so if you're paying three or four bucks you're probably going to get 20 to at least $30 in cards back. So I just want to throw that out there. You are listening to the Hobby Shop Stories Podcast. For show notes and more episodes, visit gotrpodcast.com. Now, back to the show. Yeah, absolutely, and I can vouch for that. He sent me a nice care package when I entered his first break. Um, but if you are interested in that, just you know, uh, shoot us an email at guys at roundtable at gmail .com and you know I'll be sure to forward it along there. But um, you know, here we're gonna switch up gears a little bit here. Not really though, in a sense, you know. So I'm just gonna ask you real quick: What is your all-time favorite card that you've ever owned? That's a good question. I mean, I've think of all the cards that i've owned over the years i think the i think when you're younger when you hit a bigger card not necessarily sports card but just in general um 
it's more of a thrill. Like when I, I pulled the Charizard, actually I went to the store and bought a Charizard um, from a hobby shop for like 50, 60 bucks. And that was such an adrenaline rush. But um, see, I don't know because a lot of those cards, a lot of the cards that I have sitting in front of me, I have uh, one in break or not one in breaks. I've actually purchased yeah. outright off eBay or purchased through somebody I know. So there's not really a, a favorite card because there's not that adrenaline rush that's tied to it. There's not a good memory. I mean, I did do a Raz, which I will explain a Raz real quick. Just say I have a, a $50 Saquon Barkley card sitting in front of me. I will Raz that card, which means I will put up 10 spots available. And if 10 different people put in 5 bucks each and they pick a spot 1 through 10, then you raz it off. A random person does the video, which it's it's a strict process, uh, at least off the websites that I go through, or if the Facebook groups that I'm in. Yeah. Uh, an approved moderator runs it, and then the numbers are drawn, and then you get that card. So my first raz that I won was a. Uh, this isn't the headliner, but it's it was a Ted Johnson um, Patriots card, which he played for the. I just said Patriots. He was linebacker for the Patriots, and the other card was a Lawrence Taylor. Um, card that I actually I'm looking at right now. So that was probably like, I would say that's probably my favorite card because that has the most significant value to me. That was significant memory, I guess I would say, because I was in a lot of razes and I wasn't winning and it was kind of getting irritating. So it, this was my first Raz win. <laughs> and uh, obviously it's, it's LT. So it's, it's nice. It's a nice LT autograph and it's in a, it's just a nice card that I don't plan on getting rid of. Granted, it's only like a 40 to $45 card. But to me, it's almost priceless unless somebody obviously offers to be two grand, because <laughs> because of its it ties into my first victory in a Raz, and it wasn't a card that I just purchased outright. Yeah, the, um, back when you know when I was really into collecting and pulling packs, there was this one little subset, you know, and and back, you know, in the oversaturation era in the mid '90s and early '90s. There, every like you know, an upper deck set would have like twenty different insert series within it, within the base. And there was this one insert set. I can't remember what it was, but they were sideways cards, and they were like holographic. And I, I just thought they were the coolest looking cards. And I pulled every last one of them from the set, from that insert set, over the course of a summer. And the last one I pulled, well, the first one I pulled was a Barry Bonds. It was his first series with the Giants. And I was pissed because as a Pirates fan, I was so mad that he left. But I was like, okay, this is a cool looking card, you know, whatever. Then my next pack, I pulled um, Frank Thomas. He was also in the set. And so I'm like, okay, maybe I'll try to get this. I, you know, I would buy the baseball Beckett book every month to see the pricing guide on these. And the highest priced one was Ken Griffey Jr. I'm like, I'm never going to get it. I'm never going to get that one because I was at the time, it was almost a $50 card and it was the last one. It was avoiding me. It was avoiding me. And it was the day before school and I had 10 bucks. So I went down to the card shop and I got 10 packs worth, which at the time they were a dollar a pack. So I got 10 packs. And in the very last pack, the very last card, there was that Ken Griffey Jr. card. So I had the entire set and I was like 
you would have thought I just won the lottery, you know, and right now that set as a whole is worth maybe like $15, but at the time you would have thought I won the lottery, and to this day I have all but one of those cards in that set, and I do not know what happened to the one, and I can't remember, like I said, I can't remember entirely what the set was called right now. I have it in my book, and I think I sent you pictures of it at some point. Um, but, you know, I'll include the the picture of that set in, you know, the show notes that you'll be able to find on GOTRpodcast.com. Um, so, you know, you'll be able to see, you know, the pictures of that card set I was talking about. But that kind of brings me into the next question. Have you ever completed a full set or even like an insert set? And obviously this would be more a back in the day question. Well, I'm actually working on a completing the set right now. Um, I feel like it's a little bit unobtainable, but I'm still going to try for it. Anyway, it's uh, Lorenzo Carter who plays for the Giants. He's a linebacker. It's okay. a prism set, which... Let me grab my laptop and I'll walk over to the okay. set I'm actually have in front of me. So if I start breathing heavily, is it one of those like the, it has like the base and then it has like different parallels of it? Yeah, but they're all autographs. Like the one, okay, the one is um, that I just picked up is out of forty nine. So there's only forty nine of that, and it's like a purple. It's purple checkered, which I mean, if you're in the hobby, you know what I'm talking about. As I'm explaining this, there's a a green. Like it's it's a green shiny card. It's a obviously Lorenzo Carter. They're all autographed. Um, this one's a retail. It's a retail card. So I could have I, if I had bought that from a Target, I would have, or if I bought it from Target, I would have gotten this from you know a Target pack. Same with the pink one that I just I'm, I have in my hand right now. That one I would have gotten a Target. There's a camel one that I just held up. It's a Lorenzo Carter, obviously, out of 25. So there's only 25 of those cards made. There's um. Another one I picked up. It's it's a uh, it's out of ninety nine. It's a blue scope, which is I do know that's the name of it. Um, there's a base prism, which is his autograph. There's another one that's like a lighter blue, which um, is also out of twenty five. But it's it's from the first of first off the line packs, which means that this is another thing Panini does, which very it irritates me. Um, some of their cards that they have only come off the only come in like a certain number of boxes, which they call yeah. first off the line, which I think explains itself. But it means, um, you know, like the first couple hundred hobby boxes that they made for this yeah. set. So I have like three or four cards left to complete that Lorenzo Carter set. But obviously, the the farther you go, it's going to be more and more money that I'm going to have to contribute because yep. one of them's out of ten which I've seen go out on eBay for probably 50, 60 bucks. And then there's a one of one out of there to complete the set, which who knows if somebody opened it or it could be sitting in a freaking hobby, exactly. uh, a store somewhere, or it could be, you know, sitting in a, a warehouse somewhere for the next five to 10 years. I don't know. So I, that one of one, I might never get, but I do want to suggest if, especially nowadays with, if somebody wanted to complete a set, don't, start completing a set until you get the one-of-one one. like if you open a hobby box yep. or a pack and you get that one-of-one one, then try to complete the set don't do the don't do what i did and start backwards because you're never going to complete the set unless that one-of-one one just magically appears out of somewhere but at the same time there could be somebody doing exactly what i'm doing so if it ever goes to ebay i might be in a bidding war with two or three other people and before you know it that one-of-one one, which probably isn't worth more than 
125 bucks, it might go to 300 and 400 dollars because you want to say I'm the only person that completed that set. Yeah, and and that's the crazy thing, and and it, it's how the hobby and the collecting has evolved and changed over over the years because you know like i said you know mine was you know a simple subset or you know there's uh there were a couple hockey sets back in the late 80s early 90s that you know i'd go down to this you know we have a store in our town called sunset it was it's like a you know discount store and they would have this one upper deck hockey series they'd have cards in there they'd have packs in there for five cents a piece this was back in you know the mid 90s so i'd go in there at five bucks and i'd come out with you know let's see a hundred packs you know and so i eventually completed the entire base set you know you you can't do that nowadays it's a lot different like you're collecting you know all the parallels and every you know everything from a player in a set to complete it you know it's significantly different than what it is now but Moving on to the final question, and this is, you know, it's it's a question for every collector out there. Every collector has one of these. What is the Holy Grail card for you? That one card that, if you could have, would make it for you. I mean, there's probably a couple because of the value alone. I mean, if I'm going off value, obviously anything... Mickey Mantle, Babe Ruth, which I know will be very uh, unobtainable in my lifetime. Well, I'm not necessarily talking value. I'm talking like that type of value. I'm talking like personal value, sentimental value that if you had it, there ain't no money amount that could take it from you. I, see, I, I I don't know because I, there, like, like I was explaining earlier, there's so many one-of-ones of – Obviously, each hobby box has multiple one-of-ones. So, like, if I wanted to say Quan Barkley, I would say Panini has probably produced 100, probably 100. Uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll even shoot lower end. 50, which I know I'm, I'm at the lower end, which I'm probably way underestimating. One-of-ones of Saquon Barkley. So, to me, it's not as valuable as a card. If, okay, for the entire year, they only produced one of one of uh, this certain type of card, so there's only one out there. Um, if I had to guess, I mean, I'm I'm a huge Eli guy. I've always been, you know, it's very hard to support a guy like that nowadays. If I could get like a rookie card of his that was autographed, that was a, a, a true one of one, then that'd probably be my card. Other than that, I mean, it's just the market is so saturated nowadays, and it's all about making that yeah. mon- that the money that there really isn't a true holy grail card for me obviously i'd like to have something game worn or game used that's not necessarily autographed from you know babe ruth or mickey mantle joe dimaggio which those cards are out there there is you know michael jordan rookies out there that are they're worth a good amount of money that obviously i'm as a bulls fan i would love to have but i know in my lifetime it's probably unobtainable unless i bought a hobby box and you know struck it rich with I bought a 2017 hobby box and I pulled a Pat Mahomes one of one, which I've seen go for wow. 25 to 30 grand, which I mean, that that's a brand new car. So <laughs> getting cards like those wow. are just very unobtainable in my lifetime, unless I hit the lottery, which is not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So 
I, I kind of feel like you, in a way, you answered the question but dodged it at the same time. And I know you're into, you know, memorabilia collecting too. Um, so what would be the one piece of memorabilia doesn't have to be, and I, and I know you're big into magazine covers. Uh, what would be that one piece of memorabilia that if you had, you know, your collecting would be, you know, you'd be perfectly content with never collecting anything ever again. So I'm going to dodge the question again for you because uh, out of all, on, out of all the memorabilia out. that I got, I got all the ones I want. I mean, I got the David Tyree catch autographed, the Eli Manning throw autographed. I got the Odell Beckham catch autographed. I mean, I got every piece that I think I want autographed. I mean, I got Eli Manning Sports Illustrated autographed. I would say maybe, see, maybe in like the 97, 98 season when it was Michael Jordan's last season at Chicago Bowl, if I got his Sports Illustrated autograph, then I would be obviously very excited to have. But other than that, I can't really think of anything. Nothing at all. Not, not, I mean, not necessarily magazine covers, but nothing at all. I see. I, I see. I don't think so because I mean, I'm looking at my wall right now. I've, I feel like I've <laughs> done a good job collecting guys that I've wanted and not just just collecting to collect. Yeah. So, so I feel like I'm very happy with what I've done over the years. So, yeah, so you've been very you, you've been very deliberate with your collecting. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not just buying to buy, especially with memorabilia. I'm buying to keep on my wall forever, and then, you know, maybe maybe when I die in 50, 60 years, my kids can resell it for a good amount of money, and they could be happy with what I did. Absolutely. You know. Okay. I, I I can take that answer. I will I will accept it. I won't push anymore because you know I I I get it. I see where you're going with it, and, you know, you've been very, like you said, you've been very deliberate with your collecting, and, you know, I think it'd be some of the stuff you have would be great to share, um, so if you'd want to send me some pictures, you know, I can put them on when I put up the show notes, uh, I think that'd be really neat for a lot of people to be able to see some of your collections that you have. Yeah, and actually, um, I did. I also have the first issue of Sports Illustrated in a frame. I know that's kind that's of a awesome. cool thing for some people to see. Um, well, it's not. Well, in the, who's on that cover? Shh, I'm looking at it right now. Let me actually walk over there because I just slapped it up in a frame, and I kind of wouldn't say I forgot about it, but <laughs> <laughs> the, on the cover is holy crap! I can't even tell. Because <laughs> it doesn't say, oh, so-and-so is on that cover, so I'd have to actually Google it and look. But the Sports Illustrated, that it's the first ever, and it's been water damaged. It, my uncle actually gave it to me. He found it in his uh, parents' attic. And they actually had the first two years of every issue collected, but their wow. roof leaked. So all the issues got destroyed. But this one kind of, I guess, somewhat made it out. Somewhat made it. Yeah. So if they... <laughs> Picked a good one to somewhat make it out. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely can't argue that. But uh, so, so, so if if someone would come up to you tomorrow and say, "I have a mint issue one of Sports Illustrated, autographed by the whoever the cover athlete was," and you were able to purchase that, would that feel like it completed your collection? 
No, because no? it's not okay. doesn't it's not a Yankee player, it's not a Giants player, okay. it's not a Bulls player, so it's not like Fair that the chase. And I also again, as I'm looking, not to keep the show dragging on, but <laughs> no, you're good. The in 2014, the um, Sports Illustrated predicted the Astros to be their 2017 World Series champs, and I actually save that issue and my issue was one of the lucky issues yeah, because I remember that you I remember you showing that. Yeah, and it was it was the the cover was letting me know that my sports illustrator was about to run out. So the name the my name tag isn't on the cover, it's just a blank tag. So that that's to me that's cool because it makes it even worth even more because it doesn't have my name on there, so it's not taken away from the value. Because my name yeah. was on the initial cover, letting me know that my issue was about to run out or my subscription. So I do have that framed. I'm not an Astros fan, so that's just a very cool piece to have because Sports Illustrated predicted that. Oh, absolutely! That's a cool thing, and especially it's almost like it was meant to be with how that happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you predict that three years? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's crazy how that happens. But, you know, again, I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, you know, it, it was great, you know, catch it up with you, you know, talking about, you know, the card collecting hobby and how it's changed over the years for you. And, you know, you know, yeah. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate you letting me on the show and I, I miss like I was telling Vlad last night, I miss talking to you guys and I'm glad to get back on and you know, maybe I'll try to make an appearance more than, you know, every now and then. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I'd be more than happy to have you on more in the future because I'm sure you do more in your free time than just collect cards. Eh, I try to. <laughs> my my free time is very limited. Uh, I think I think your free I think everyone's free time gets more limited the older they get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, w- especially with a child, my free time yep. went from being from three to ten every night when I got home from work to <laughs> about nine to ten. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. I I lose six hours each day. So so I I just try to I go on eBay constantly try to find the cards that I want or you know go on Instagram and see what I can find. And if anything, it makes you more passionate about what you do in your free time because, like you said, you have to do it in a more condensed time. So you're like, like I said, you're more passionate about it. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, like I said, thanks for thanks for coming on, and you know, I, we look forward to talking to you and more in the future. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Andy, and I appreciate it. And again, if anybody wants, um you know, base sets to start their collection, just let me know or let Andy know, of course, and then he can pass it on to me as long as you guys pay for shipping. I have no problem sending out as many cards as I have of that specific team. Absolutely. And again, that our email address is guys at roundtable at gmail.com. All right. And we're coming to the wrap on the show. And, you know, I, I had a lot of fun talking with Nick, um, and, you know, we we got into a lot of different conversations. And as he said, if you're ever interested in, you know, getting some cards to start your collection, you know, just hit us up. You know, send us an email. Guys at roundtable at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash GOTR podcast. And, you know, you can just hit us up. And, you know, I'll be sure to send your information along to Nick. And, you know, he'll be sure to send you a little care package. And, you know, he, he takes good care of you he's also selling some high 
higher end cards. Um, so, you know, we'll definitely be, you know, adding a link to in our you know, our show notes on the Facebook website right now, as we're still working on, uh, getting our website back up and running. Um, so for now it's going to be on there, but in those show notes, it'll include like a link to his eBay page, um, and you know, different things. And, you know, like I said, if you want cards, to start your collection, you know, just hit us up, you know, we'll be sure to send some out to you. Um, but yeah, expect an episode out again next Wednesday, uh, on March 13th. Uh, I haven't decided the topic yet at this time, but you know, I'm, uh, I'll be having an interview interview again and chances are we'll be talking about, you know, hobbies, you know, because that's what we're about, you know, and, and again, this is the hobby shop. We're closing now. So see you next week. Thanks for listening. It's closing time. Join us next week as we experience more of what the hobby shop has to offer. Thanks for listening.